I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You can also find them at HeidiHarris.com archived. You can also catch me live five days a week, 9 a.m. to noon on AM 670 KMZQ in Las Vegas. And there's a link to listen to the show live if you're anywhere else in the world while the show is on 9 to noon Pacific time. Sometimes on the podcast, I'll post segments of the show. Sometimes I'll do things that are entirely different than things I talk about on the show. Last week, Johnson & Johnson made big news with their supposed one-jab vaccine that was awaiting FDA approval. Not approval, really, but an emergency use declaration. A lot of people I know were waiting for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because it was one jab. What's in it? How is it different than the others? Dr. Sal Giorgiani, who's a pharmacy doctor, joined me to explain. He's with menshealthnetwork.org, and he's a great guy and always very nice of him to share his time and his expertise with us. Here's my conversation with Dr. Sal. Personality that provokes and persuades. The Heidi Harris Show on AM 670 KMZQ. Good morning. How you doing? Well, a lot of people have been waiting for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The single jab, so they say. The single dose vaccine. Now, the FDA apparently is going to decide this week if the evidence about how it works is going to be strong enough to recommend the shot. To join us here this morning, always thrilled to have him, Dr. Sal Giorgiani is a practicing pharmacist, consultant pharmacist, just an expert on all this stuff. How are you, Dr. Sal? Great to have you again, sir. I am doing just splendidly well, and it's always a pleasure to be on the show with you and your listeners. Oh, you're so sweet. Uh, So tell me about Johnson & Johnson. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to this. I know some folks are waiting. Wait, I'm going to wait for the Johnson & Johnson. I'm going to wait for the single jab. How excited are you about this? Do you think it'll pass FDA approval? What are you hearing? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite sure that FDA is going to give it the emergency use authorization. That's not quite full approval, right. but it's the ability to distribute the, the vaccine uh, until it gets full approval. Uh, that was something that the Trump administration uh, promoted for the, this emergency, and I think it was a very important step that they took. Uh, my understanding is it did get strong endorsement from the Vaccines Advisory Committee to the FDA, which are outside experts uh, who advise the FDA. They reviewed the data. Uh, the data's gotten a lot of scrutiny from a lot of folks. Uh, what I've been able to glean from it in public domain data also is, uh, I've looked at that. Uh, and everybody in the medical community feels that this is a very important uh, product, a very important bit of material for armamentarium. FDA will probably give word about it on Saturday. It might come a little earlier, but we're all thinking Saturday will be the date, and if not Saturday, Monday. Uh, and they'll, they'll, we're all really confident that it'll be approved for emergency use authorization. Okay, we're speaking. Uh, I think it's a very important step. Uh, not only is it a one-dose regimen, but also the storage requirements make it easier to transport out. Uh, and distribute uh, not just in the United States, but globally. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about uh, is it as effective as the other vaccines, because all most folks get to see the top-line number. But if you want to talk a little bit about that, that I think is uh, 
there, there is very good news in all of that. Yeah, that's important. We're with Dr. Sal Giorgiani. He's a doctor of pharmacy. He's joined us many times on the air with his expertise talking about the new Johnson & Johnson vaccine that some people are saying. They're saying it's 85% effective against the most serious illness, 66% effective in preventing moderate to severe COVID-19. Now, is, is there a way that they define moderate to severe? I mean, would that only be people in the hospital or people who are just miserable like I was? Well, you'd probably be categorized as the the mild to moderate uh, okay. infection, knowing what you described to me on the phone. But, yeah, severe infections are uh, really where you have problems with oxygen saturation, the amount of oxygen that gets transferred from your, from your lungs into your blood. If you have uh, other problems with, uh, you know, metabolic problems, and there have been patients who have uh, these fluid problems building up in their, in their lungs, the cytokine storm, if you will, that it's referred to. Uh, so those would be the severe patients. So the very, very good news is that in younger, healthy individuals who can sustain uh, a mild infection, uh, who don't have co- uh, comorbid conditions or uh, conditions such as pulmonary disease, heart disease, kidney disease, lung disease, uh, uh, you know, associated with their overall medical status, this vaccine is probably going to be very useful for younger, healthy individuals who can easily withstand a mild to moderate case of COVID. So I think that's where the the sweet spot for this vaccine is going to be. So we're all trying to get uh, first responders out into the field, police, uh, EMT, back in the field and protect them. Everybody has a vested interest in getting teachers who tend to be younger uh, back into the classroom so they are safe and feel that they are safe. I think that this vaccine will be an ideal product for them. Uh, What I have not seen is uh, what my uh, assessment of this vaccine is. If you have an older individual with underlying conditions uh, who is a setup for a severe infection that can rapidly advance to a lethal infection, I'm not sure that this would be my first choice of vaccine to go with. But, boy, you know, we... We've only vaccinated about 16% of the United States now with a focus on older individuals. And we've got to start getting distribution to younger individuals. On the, and that, that is where I think this vaccine will be a big, big, big help. Yeah, that's that's important. We've got Dr. Sal Giorgiani. He's a doctor of pharmacy, and he's I, I, you got so many titles. I'll just I'm just going to pick one each time I mention you. <laughs> Chair of the American Public Health Association's Men's Health Caucus, and all kinds of other things. He's a teacher. He's a writer. It's great to have him on always. Doctor, can you explain to me, like I'm four years old, the difference between the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and the Pfizer and Moderna, uh, the the way they were made? Uh, from what I understand, the Pfizer and Moderna are they have the mRNA, the messenger RNA in them, and is is Johnson and Johnson different. Talk to me a little bit about that. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine relies on DNA uh, structures and ability to help the body form antibodies against uh, the viral uh, also. The, um, and then DNA essentially becomes in the body mRNA. So, and that's where the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine start at the mRNA mRNA stuff. So what you basically have is both vaccine types looking to do the same sort of thing to help your body recognize and then help teach your body how to form the antibodies using uh, 
uh, RNA technology and DNA technology. Just one starts at a different place in the in the cascade of events. Got it. I understand. Uh, whether one turns out to be easier to modify or variants than the other, or if one's uh, approach turns out to be more flexible, uh, that that's still a question up in the air. Some people feel the messenger RNA type may be a little bit more flexible. Some people feel that that is a, not relevant in the and the DNA-based technology is also relevant. Now, these two technologies, mRNA and DNA technology, are vastly different than what we have for many other vaccines, which are either weakened virus or killed bits and pieces of the virus that then your, your body recognizes and forms antibodies for. So this is a huge technologically forward in both of these strategies, that will allow much more rapid, much more precise formation of vaccine antibody products, but that won't require you to actually have the the, uh, uh, the virus in your system at all, or even body part of the virus in your system. Okay, that's a, that's an interesting, going to be my next question. We're speaking with Dr. Sal Giorgiani, he's a doctor of pharmacy. That was my next question. How does this differ from the flu vaccine? And you're talking about the fact that with the flu vaccine, you're getting a little piece of the virus in your system that your body's supposed to respond to and create antibodies for. This is entirely different with the mRNA and the DNA. Yeah, you're still getting a little piece, but you're only getting the DNA or the mRNA piece as opposed to where... Uh, if you want to use a rather imperfect analogy, you're either weakening the virus and injecting a weakened virus into you, or you're killing it and grinding it up and injecting little bits of its body parts into you as a whole. This is a much more refined approach to how to indu- teach your body to uh, to uh, react to a viral onslaught. Interesting. Uh, that, that becomes very important, by the way, Heidi, because now we're all looking at the variants that are appearing to the COVID virus. There's a lot of concern about these things uh, evolving in a way that not only makes them more transmittable, but more uh, dangerous, causing greater amounts of disease or reaction. Uh, And the technology that exists now makes it much, much easier to create variant-sensitive vaccine. Uh, And in fact, Moderna is already working on a vaccine variant that will uh, be active or highly active against this South African strain, which appears to have a little bit less uh, sensitivity to the, the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine. I'm speaking with Dr. Sal Giorgiani, a doctor of doctor pharmacy about the J&J, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. You know, there are a lot of people who say, and these, these stories have been all over the place, about the fact that the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, and possibly this one too, somehow change your DNA. Could you address that, doctor, and talk about where that even came from? It came from people who don't want to see Americans healthy. <laughs> uh, you know, I can't be more blunt than that. Huh. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, I think that, you know, people are concerned about uh, what this will do. But, you know, it's a one-way street in terms messenger RNA cannot change your DNA. As we just discussed, DNA makes RNA, so it's the first product. The DNA segments that are coming from the virus uh, are not going to change the human 
constitution. They're just going to teach the human body how to respond. So I think there are, unfortunately, uh, a lot of individuals who would love to see a lot of chaos continuing in the United States uh, who have both political and economic reasons to do that. And I think there are a lot of good-natured and well-intended individuals who basically don't understand the science or want to ignore the science uh, and don't realize the huge uh, mistake they are making and taking little bits and pieces of information and, and worrying about a story that can't happen. So there is no basis for these vaccines to cause infertility. There is no basis for these vaccines to change your inherent God-given DNA structures. Uh, it basically allows your body to learn how to fight off uh, a foreign invader. Uh, and that's all it is. That's something people should not be worried about at all. Yeah. Final question for Dr. Sal Giorgiani, doctor of pharmacy. Uh, we appreciate you so much being here with this Johnson & Johnson News. What about people like me who've already had it? Would I, I Certainly I've got some kind of immunity to a certain for a certain length of time. We don't know how long. But would I have the same immunity that I would have if I were to get the shot? Because if I'd gotten the flu this year's flu strain, I might be okay for next year's or we don't know or it wouldn't be as severe. What do we know about that, Dr. Sal? Well, I think a lot of people can relate to the fact that sometimes you get the flu in November and then uh, January you get it again, you know. And uh, when you when you get an, a native uh, viral infection, you do build up an immunity to it, but it may not be the case that you've had a severe enough infection uh, to build up sufficient levels of antibodies to really make a meaningful difference in uh, fighting off the next round of infection. So it's kind of, uh, you, you run the risk if you have some immunity, but it may not be enough to carry you through, and it may not last long enough to carry you through more than several months. Uh, with the uh, vaccines, the titers, the, the amount of antibodies that they teach your body to produce, and, the, and that's why you get those two shots with the Pfizer and Moderna to really just challenge it so they start producing antibodies very quickly. Uh, that you have a very, very high level of immune antibody titers. Uh, and this very, very high level, you don't know, you know, that's one of the questions that we have to still answer. We don't know how long that lasts, and that data is being collected as time goes on, and we have more people having vaccines in them for longer periods of time. But right now it looks like the immunologic competence for these vaccines is at least uh, four months to six months, and then they're continuing the data, and we'll see how, you know, and they'll know better. We will know better in the next six months, whether it lasts a year or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, having had the infection and fighting it off gives you some immunity, but most likely not enough to fight it off again. All right. Thank you, Dr. Sal. Always great to talk to you. Always appreciate your insight and your expertise. We'll talk again as this Johnson & Johnson thing probably becomes available. We'll, we'll get some ideas as they get more testing and more information about it. Thank you, Dr. Sal Giorgiani. Always great to talk to you. Tell me where people can find you. At www.menshealthnetwork.org. Uh, and there's a lot of good news uh, about all this, and you can read up on that and other health matters for men and boys at our website, Men's Health Network. Men'shealthnetwork.org. Thank you, Dr. Sal. Appreciate it. Bye-bye now. 
Personally, I am never going to get the vaccine. I've already had coronavirus. I had it last year, and I did a whole podcast on that. If you're interested, you can go back through the archives and find it. I will never take the vaccine, but I have people on who are pro-vaccine and people who are anti this particular vaccine, not anti-vax in general. I don't have a lot of those folks on. I don't know many people who are anti-vaccine for everything. But I've had both sides on, and I'm not going to argue with the doctor when I have him come on about whether or not it's legitimate or whatever. I'm not going to take it, but I know a lot of people who are and are interested in the information, and that's how I treat my guests. I don't bring them on to argue with them. Anyway, it was always great to have Dr. Sal on. He's on with me frequently, so be checking in uh, occasionally either on my live show or on my podcast for updates from Dr. Sal Giorgiani about the various vaccines. I'm Heidi Harris. Don't forget, you can join me weekdays live, 9 a.m. to noon, on AM 670 KMZQ, if you're not in Vegas and you can't hear it on your radio or radio app, well, you probably could radio app. You can also find a link to listen live at HeidiHarris.com. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.